Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Out of the Blue from 1947. The studio Eagle Lion Films. Now, if you haven't heard of them, you're not alone. The studio only lasted four years from 1946 to 1950, and they basically created British B-films that were released in the U.S. The release date was April 21st, 1947, the running time 84 minutes, and it was in black and white. Leonard Malden from his classic movie guide gives it two and a half out of four stars. His little synopsis is, Naive George Brent is in trouble when a far from innocent young woman is discovered unconscious and is in an apartment. It's fluffy, fun, and Dvorak is a delight in an offbeat role. Now, I just recently discovered this film due to a going-out-of-business sale online for Twilight Films. Uh, The plot sounded fun, and I love 1940s screwball comedies, so it was worth a chance for five bucks. And as it turned out, it was a terrific investment, and you guys get to reap the benefits. Okay, let's get into the main cast. George Brent plays Arthur Earthly, and Brent, like most early Hollywood actors, started on stage. He moved to Los Angeles in the 1930s, and he began his film career. Now, early on, he was usually a supporting actor or a love interest for the top-billed actress like, you know, Kay Francis or Barbara Stanwyck and Ruth Chatterton, whom he was married to for a few years. Now, he continued to appear in a variety of supporting roles throughout the 1930s, and many with Betty Davis. He served in the military during World War II, and then when he returned to Hollywood after the war, he wasn't signed to one studio, so it made him a free agent of sorts. His best-known film prior to Out of the Blue was the thriller The Spiral Staircase from 1946 with Dorothy McGuire. And Dvorak plays Olive Jensen. Dvorak started as a child actress in the early teens in silent films. Her best-known early role would be the original Scarface in 1932 where she plays Paul Mooney's sister. She was also in the 1935 movie G-Men with James Cagney, which we covered back on episode I don't remember. Just look up (laughs) G-Men. She also worked steadily until her retirement from acting in 1952. Virginia Mayo plays Deborah Tyler. Mayo was just a gorgeous blonde who caught the eye of movie mogul Samuel Goldwyn, who signed her to MGM in 1941. Now, it took a few years before she made her first starring role, and that was in 1944 with Bob Hope in The Princess and the Pirate. She then starred with Danny Kaye in two musicals called The Wonder Man and The Kid from Brooklyn. However, her best-known parts were a supporting role in 1946's The Best Years of Our Lives, and then she played James Cagney's wife in White Heat from 1949. Look, Ma, top of the world. Turhan Bey plays David Gallio. He was born in Austria in 1922, and then he moved to Los Angeles in 1939. He mostly had small roles playing exotic characters, like as one of the Egyptian followers of Karis in one of the Universal Mummy sequels called The Mummy's Tomb. Carol Landis plays May Earthly, and she started her career in the late 1930s and mostly appeared in small roles, but she became a pinup girl after her USO tours during World War II with fellow performers like Martha Ray and Mitzi Mayfair and Kay Francis. Now, sadly, Landis committed suicide in 1948 at the age of 29. Now, it's been said she killed herself due to being distraught that Rex Harrison would not leave his then-wife for her. And she was with him for almost three years, and it was too much for her. 
The director, Lee Jason. Jason began his career as a screenwriter in the 1920s and mostly made short films until the 1930s. He would eventually start making B films like Out of the Blue. He also taught at UCLA before getting into the film business. Okay, let's get into the movie. The film begins with a German shepherd dog named Rebele walking the streets of New York. It's in Greenwich Village. He's carrying a large bone in his mouth, and all the locals all seem to know him and say hello to Rebele as he continues on his journey back home, which is a beautiful high-rise apartment. The doorman lets him in, and then he buries the bone in the terrace belonging to the Earthlies. Two older women, Miss Spring, played by Elizabeth Patterson, and Miss Ritchie, played by Julia Dean, are constant snoopers of all things going on at the apartment, and they watch in amusement as the dog belongs to the neighbor of the Earthlies. He is a bachelor artist named David Gallio, played by Turin Bay. Miss Spring is reading her newspaper, which talks about yet another body found in Greenwich Village and how it must be a serial killer. Miss Ritchie isn't worried, though. They both seem more interested in snooping about others in the building. This time, it's the Earthlies they're interested in. Arthur, George Brent, and May, Carol Landis. Now, Arthur is a boring and passive sort of guy who is a doormat to his domineering wife. Look, my zinnias. It's that dog, that honest dog. Mm-hmm, you see? A bone. He's buried a bone. Keep that for evidence. Oh, my poor, poor little zinnias. Arthur, that dog has got to go. This time you must be found. <laughs> what do you expect me to do about it? What any man would do to protect his own home. This calls for action. Of course, if you're afraid. Of course, I'm not afraid. I, well, I'll, I'll talk to him. Why don't you answer it? Hello, Gallio? This is your neighbor, Arthur Earthley. My wife just unearthed a bone in her flower box. Tell her if no one calls for it in 30 days, she can keep it. The bone happens to belong to your dog. Tell your wife she can keep the bone. I'll get my dog another. But she doesn't want the bone. Then why did she dig it up? Now, see here, Gallio. You've got to keep him off this terrace. No, no. He's no. got to get rid of him. You've got to get rid of him. Get rid of Rabelais? I'll get rid of you first. Indeed, sir. And just how do you propose to do that? There are ways, Mr. Earthley. You've got to get rid of that dog today. Now, uh, give him away. Sell him. <laughs> Mr. Gallio, please, such language. My wife is right at my elbow. And I'll bet she is annoying on Rabelais' bone, no doubt. Now, look here, Mr. Earthley, I don't mind your wife stealing my dog's bone, but... If you return that bone to me in first-class condition, I'm willing to forget the whole thing. What's the matter? He wants the bone back. Arthur, really? Mention the renting agent. <clears throat> Gallio, if you don't do what we say, I'll notify the renting agent immediately. Oh, come on now, Earthly. After all, we are neighbors. We both live on the tenth floor. Do me a favor, will you? Jump off! <laughs> A few hours after the phone call, David is visited by a woman named Deborah Tyler, played Virginia Mayo. 
David assumes she is a model for one of his paintings. But actually, she's just visiting to ask David if he would be interested in breeding Rabelais with her prize, German Shepherd. Rabelais took first place at a dog show a few months back. Deborah asks David to name his price, and he says he doesn't want a fee, but he wants her to pose for him instead. She hesitantly agrees and poses for a sketch in a bathing suit. All the while, the two ninnies upstairs watch an amusement as yet another woman is in David's apartment. David makes a weak attempt to kiss Deborah after a few hours of sketching, to which she isn't amused and decides to leave. In the meantime, Arthur takes May to the train station for her trip to visit her sister. May gives Arthur a number of rules while she is gone, to which he meekly accepts, like, don't spend more than $2 for dinner. <laughs> Arthur decides to cautiously go to a nightclub that night. While he's waiting for a table, he sits at the bar and meets a lively woman named Olive Jensen, played by Anne Dvorak, who's already half in the bag. She's completely the opposite of May. She used to be a poet and is not uptight at all. Arthur even lets her buy him a drink, which is funny since May wasn't expecting him not to even try to put up an argument for who pays. <laughs> However, he invites her to sit with him for dinner, and he, he agrees that he will pay for dinner. As it turns out, back at the apartment building, Deborah didn't leave David's apartment after all, and they're having dinner on the patio while the two old women watch. We then go back to the nightclub with Arthur and Olive, and Arthur is outraged that her shot of brandy costs 90 cents. <laughs> he goes on and on about how he has a better bottle of brandy at his apartment, and that only costs him $6 for the entire bottle. Olive is now fully drunk and grabs that bit of information to push for an invitation to drink more brandy at Arthur's apartment. Arthur shyly invites her and gives her a dollar for a taxi since he doesn't want the doorman to see them together. Olive goes to Arthur's apartment and runs into David and Rebele in the lobby. Now, it's too bad I don't have more clips. They're just not out there because Olive is super funny and she's very witty with David, who isn't amused at all with her drunken antics. They both get off on the same floor as David is neighbors with Arthur. Olive doesn't seem to care at all that Arthur is married. Her main draw is more alcohol. She even tries to drunkenly redecorate his apartment to the horror of Arthur, which is hilarious. Olive hopes that Arthur will kiss her, and then he gets cold feet after seeing his wife's picture staring back at him. Olive indignantly takes the hint and drunkenly rambles on in a funny way about how all men are terrible and alike. Arthur then attempts to call Olive a taxi to take her home, but she decides to leave without waiting. But, in actuality, she doesn't go out the front door. She goes into another room, the guest bedroom, and then passes out in the bed. Arthur, who was in the other room making a call, thinks she actually left the apartment, so he breathes a sigh of relief and then goes to bed. And the next morning, Arthur is awakened by the bellboy and yet another surprise. I'm talking to you. I'm not dressed yet. Is the lock stuck? Should I call the janitor? No. I'll open it. You don't have to. I'll be out in a minute. Good morning. Special. Oh, thank you. 
I signed for it. Well, give it to me and hurry up. Here I come. But my head is bending low. What are you doing here? Dressing. Zip me, please. <gasps> that, why, that belongs to me. It's a favorite housecoat. Mine, too. My dress is a sight. You shouldn't have let me sleep in my clothes, Arthur. Zip me. Oh, I thought you'd gone home. Why didn't you? And leave you all by yourself to face the morning after alone? What have you done to the guest room? Why, you, you've changed everything. Where are all the doodads? I mean, the, the things that were on the things. You mean all those antimacassars and doilies? Oh, I stashed them away in one of the bureau drawers. Ooh, I hope I can remember where everything was. Next, Arthur sends a letter from his lawyer to David, which informs David if he doesn't get rid of his dog in 24 hours, he will be evicted from his apartment. Deborah visits just as David gets his letter and recommends that they take Rabelais to the country to a fancy kennel to let this blow over back in the city. Now, David just loves his dog and is heartbroken about having to be away from him, but Deborah accompanies David for the day to soften the blow. Arthur has his own problems as Olive now thinks they are an item and he can't get rid of her. <laughs> they go back to the same nightclub they met at. While Olive goes up to the piano bar, Arthur makes a break for it and leaves her at the nightclub. Olive is saddened and sits at the table alone. Arthur is now back at his apartment trying to put back everything the way it was and then Olive magically shows up again with a new bottle of brandy. It was actually a, ki a kind gesture as she didn't want his wife to think that he drank the other bottle all by himself. However, Arthur is in a panic and he's supposed to pick up May at the train station. <laughs> Olive wants one more drink with Arthur, but he's annoyed because he just washed the glasses. <laughs> Olive really likes Arthur even though she's always drunk. She has a great line where she says, Arthur Earthly isn't even a name. It's a lisp. <laughs> it's a great line. Arthur is exasperated with Olive's antics, and he tries to get her to leave. And they sort of tussle a bit, but not really violently. Olive is drunkenly dancing around while Arthur tries to get her to the door, and in the process, she falls and hits her head and gets knocked out. Arthur thinks she's dead and, of course, panics. Arthur drags Olive outside and leaves her on David's patio. <laughs> Upstairs, busybody Miss Spring hears the newspaper men on the street yelling out headlines. Remember that? No, I don't either. So anyway, he, he, she goes out to the patio to hear what he's yelling. And to her horror, she sees Olive laying on David's patio. She screams and calls the police. Then calls David, who's making out with Deborah at the time, that a woman is lying dead on his patio. David and Deborah rush out to find Olive out cold, but she's definitely not dead. She awakens inside David's apartment. Olive explains, more like embellishes, what happened and how Arthur knocked her out and with her bad heart that when she either faints or gets knocked out, people think she's dead because her pulse is so weak. And Dvorak definitely steals the show as Olive in this film, and she has some of the best lines. David is incensed that Arthur tried to dump Olive's body on his terrace, trying to pin a potential murder on David when it was Arthur who believed he killed Olive. David decides to use this information as leverage over Arthur to get his dog back living at the apartment. The homicide police arrive to question David and the body on his terrace. The two old ladies also decide to join because this is the most exciting thing that's happened to them in years. David says he's found nobody, and then Deborah conveniently appears from the bedroom wearing the same dress Olive had on. And the two women are stunned, but Deborah claims that she was just posing for a painting, and of course the police leave angrily thinking the old women are just delusional. Arthur in the meantime arrives back at the apartment with May. Well, David decides to have some fun with Arthur. 
They chat on the terrace, and David says that he knows that Arthur put the body on his terrace and that he will have to help dispose of it. Arthur nervously agrees that they will dump the body at midnight. And also, David hands Arthur the eviction notice that says, make that go away. David decides to use a mannequin he uses sometimes for his paintings as a fake body that looks like Olive. Arthur arrives, and David dumps the mannequin into the trunk to bury. (laughs) Deborah gets in on the fun and acts like a gangster's mole, scoping out the street so that the guys can put the trunk in the car. The three drive out to the country to bury the trunk, but get stopped by a motorcycle cop for speeding. David and Deborah are amused, while Arthur is just a nervous wreck. David even answers the cop when he asks where they were going in such a hurry that they were going to a funeral. The cop asks, well, what's in the trunk? And David replies, a dead body. The cop ignores what he thinks are just wisecracks. He writes David a ticket and then drives off. David decides to pick up a rebel at the kennel in the country first before disposing of the trunk. Of course, because it's a movie, a huge storm just happens to break out while Arthur digs a ditch and buries the trunk. The next morning, we find Olive's friend and roommate reporting her missing to the police station because she hasn't been home in days. Olive is actually hiding out with David, much to the dismay of Deborah. But since this is a screwball comedy, what happens next is par for the course. Arthur that morning goes on the terrace to look out at the city, and while he's wiping his glasses, he looks over to David's terrace, and he sees a woman doing stretches. When he puts his glasses back on, he sees that it's Olive. They both run back inside their apartments. Arthur thinks he's seen a ghost, and Olive is now worried she blew her cover, though she's having fun with it. Arthur sees the paper with a headline of a missing woman who just happens to be Olive. The paper believes that she may have been the next victim of the Greenwich killer. Arthur's now panicked. He goes to his lawyer to explain what happened, that he killed Olive and buried her. The lawyer gives a story for Arthur's defense, which essentially denies everything. David, in the meantime, went to Dever's apartment to smooth things over with her since she was still upset that Olive is staying with David. David says he kicked Olive out and that he loves Deborah. When David returns to his apartment, he finds Olive passed out again on his floor. <laughs> this time, in a role reversal, David places Olive on Arthur's terrace. Of course, the two old ladies see the body and immediately call Arthur's apartment, and then May picks up. Hello? Mrs. Oatsby? There's a body on your terrace. Sorry, I don't believe I heard you correctly. There's a body on your terrace. On my terrace? That's impossible. Can we help you? We thought we'd see you before we called the police. I can't imagine how she got there. Where am I? Hi, girls. Oh, you're not dead. No. We thought you were. Help me get into the couch. In the cupboard, there's some brandy. Bring it to me. Oh, just lie down here. Lie down here quietly. You've had an awful shock. I'll get it. Oh, do you think you can have a sip of brandy? I'll try. Don't mind the taste. Just think of the good it'll do you. There. Feel better? Maybe just a little more brandy? Oh, do you think she should? Oh, it's a stimulant. Now, don't try to talk. Just tell us what happened. He tried to kill me. Mr. Kelly? The artist? That bohemian? That monster? Did he strike you? Oh, please don't make me talk about it. Maybe she needs a little more stimulant. Just give me the bottle. Do you want us to call the police? Oh, no. Think of my family, my reputation. Oh, uh, are you a, a debutante, dear? Yes. 
I came out in 38. And I haven't been home since. Were you posing for that fiend? He begged me to pose for him. He told me he'd make me immortal. No punishment is bad enough for a man like that. I hope they string him up. Some ice water, my dear. Oh, oh my. She, she's fainted again. Now, now what? Oh, I don't know. I wish my husband were here. He'd know what to do. Good evening, May. I've got a surprise for you. Allergic to flowers. Is that what she meant when she said he'd know what to do? Oh, Arthur. <laughs> what happened? You fainted. I told you not to go out in your condition. How'd she get here? That galio tried to murder her, then left her for dead on our terrace. Is that what she told you? I mean, she's not dead, is she? Oh, no, no, just unconscious. We gave her some brandy, and I don't think the poor dear's used to it. I wish Galio and his dog would stop dropping things on our terrace. Shouldn't we call the police? Police? For heaven's sakes, no. Why not? <laughs> I don't want them to find her here. But why not? Well, they might want to question her. Conscience is clear. Yeah, but uh, think of the notoriety. After all, I'm a businessman, a respected member of society. And my mother was a daughter of the American Revolution. This calls for action. What are you going to do with her? Where are you going, Arthur? The Galio. Oh, no. He's a dangerous man, a murderer. He might kill you both. I'm not afraid. My, isn't he brave? Yes, but I think we'd better call the police. We might really need them now. Oh, uh, let me. Where is the telephone? In the bedroom. So, what happens next? There's about ten minutes left. Will May find out about Arthur and Olive? Will Deborah discover Olive's still in David's apartment? It's all answered. This isn't the easiest film to find online, though TCM might play it from time to time, and you can definitely get it on DVD. It's a really fun screwball comedy that you've likely never heard of or seen, and you will definitely enjoy Anne Dvorak's performance as Olive. She definitely steals the show. All right, a fun fact. The film was based on a short story of the same title written by mystery author Vera Caspery. Caspery also had a percentage deal with the film company, which is why she also co-wrote the screenplay. Her short story first appeared in the magazine Today's Woman. Her best-known novel was titled Laura in 1943, which was adapted to a terrific film noir the following year, starring Gene Tierney and Dana Andrews. All right, thank you for checking out this episode. I know that sometimes it's tough to listen to stuff you've never seen, but if you, I think this is definitely worth your time, and hopefully this little deep dive into Out of the Blue will give you the inspiration to go seek it out yourself. And I will be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.